We've talked before about different ways to leverage Scott Adams' idea of talent stacking or skill stacking to our songwriting. And certainly one of these skill stacks or talent stacks that is important for us to level up and get better at is our ability to write music or our level of music composer. So in this episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast, we are going to talk about what I think are the main four levels of music writer and how to know which one you're a part of and how to level up. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Joseph Adala. Honored that you would take some time out of your busy day, out of your busy week to talk songwriting with me. I appreciate that. You could be doing a lot of things with your time. And the fact that songwriting is important enough to you to listen to a podcast about it means a lot to me because I care a lot about the craft of songwriting as evidenced by the fact that there's over 200 episodes of this podcast. (laughs) You certainly should be able to assume I care about songwriting to put that much time into (laughs) making this podcast, but it is important to me. So I'm glad that it's important to you as well. If you haven't already, be sure to pick up my free guide on the four pillars of music theory that I think we all really need to understand as songwriters. Understanding these pillars will at least get you to level two that we're talking about today, and it will also help you uh, sort of get towards level three as well. But probably a lot of people listening are going to be in the first level that we're going to talk about, and 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 that's just the worst level to be at. it's frustrating. It takes forever to write anything that's musically interesting at all. Usually, uh, it's 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 just a, a very annoying level to be stuck at. I don't want you to be stuck there. So if you find yourself like, oh yeah, I I'm kind of at level one. Be sure to pick up this free guide. Gives you the four pillars you really need to know that will help you get to level two and beyond. I know music theory sometimes is a thing that people are like, oh, it sounds so hard and academic. It's not. It's really not. Uh, go watch some Rick Beato videos if you, if you need to be convinced. Um, but music theory, by the way, is not the same as understanding how to read sheet music. Seemingly, everybody gets this mixed up. Uh, I actually made a short about this the other the other week, a YouTube short, uh, specifically because I saw that a certain music YouTube channel that has oh, like 150,000 subscribers conflated music theory with with um, sheet music, like understanding how to read sheet music. And I was so disheartened by that. Like, really, you have 150,000 subscribers to your music channel and you don't understand that it's different. Um, and and overall, it's a good channel. And I, and I, I my, my goal is not to slam anybody, so I'm not even going to name them here. But uh, that, that, that just was really indicative to me. Like, wow, this is such a rampant problem that people don't understand the first thing about what music theory even is, uh, which I think is why so many people wholesale reject it because they don't even know what it is. They, they think, Oh, mu- music theory is, is like understanding how to read notes and, and, and understanding what like two sharps means and not like, no, it has literally nothing to do with that. Nothing at all. If you want more on that, I have podcasts about it. If you, if you want a short answer, I think I put a short up recently on, on the YouTube channel uh, that very quickly breaks down and gives like a- an analogy to explain the difference between music theory and sheet music. But anyway, that's not what this episode is about. 
there's the first aside. <laughs> there's the first aside for this episode. So anyway, songwritertheory.com slash music theory guide. If you're interested, four pillars of music theory you really need to know. I think way more music theory is super helpful. Uh, but you know, learn over time. Don't try to teach yourself everything right away. It's an important skill to learn is learning how to learn, which usually is you learn a little bit, put it into practice until that becomes natural to you. And then you learn the next thing and then put that into practice until that becomes natural to you. That's the best way to learn. So don't. So it's just four pillars. That's why it's kept super simple. Those four pillars will also take you a long way, especially if you are in the aforementioned first group we're talking about, which let's dive right in. First group, we'll call this the beginner musician. What I mean by beginner musician is this is likely you if you picked up guitar in the last three months to a year or maybe piano, but probably more commonly guitar, and you're not really a classically trained musician or anything, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but, but you know, you're sort of a beginner to the whole music thing. Maybe you decided to pick up an instrument kind of because you wanted to learn songwriting. And overall, this level is largely sticking with common chord progressions tethered to keys. So how to know if this is you before we talk about how to level up and what the difference is. How to know if this is you. This is you if you're someone who generally will look up or use what, what you know to be common chord progressions like G, C, and D, G major, C major, and D major, and then use them. You likely don't understand keys or why those chords work together or even what their relationship is. You just know and might say something like, oh, a G chord sounds good when it has a C chord before it and a D chord before it, which is technically kind of true, but it's not. It's, it, it shows that you don't really understand why um, and and. It has some truth to it, but it's not really true. It's kind of like when people say, oh, major is happy. Like, well, kind of. And a lot of times it, it, those two go together, but uh, there's, there's way more to it than, than simply that. So anyway, if you're a person that, for the most part, looks up common chord progressions and you think in terms of like, oh, C major, F major, G major, I know that's a common chord progression. This is you. So how to level up. This one's the simplest how to level up. Literally grab the free guide I talked about. Like, like that, that is the best way to level up. Uh, it just is. Really, it's if you don't want to grab the free guide for whatever reason, because again, it's free. But if you don't want to grab it, learn keys and chords in the context of keys. So when I say learn keys, I mean under learn things like, okay, what notes are in C major? Or, or how to figure out like what a major key really is and then how to figure out what D major is versus G major and understanding at a pretty deep level really what keys are, major and minor. Don't worry about modes yet, but if you understand major and minor keys or even really just major because in a, minor key has a relative major that has the exact same notes, it just has a different note that's treated as the tonic or the root note. Um, but learn keys so that you understand things like 
For example, you should be able to understand when I say, oh, okay, the key of D major. If right now you know, oh, D major, that's D, E, F sharp, G, A, B, and C sharp, then you understand keys. And then the other one I said was chords in the context of keys. So what I mean by that is you may know that G major is, well, a major chord, and you may know that G major has the notes G, B, and D. That's great. But ultimately, what is a more important thing to understand than things like, oh, G chords, C chords, and D chords go together. What's more important is to understand the Roman numeral notation of chords, meaning you understand what a five chord is or what a two chord is, a minor two chord. If you know what that is, and if you know what keys are, then you're probably at least at the next level. Congratulations. If you don't, then that's how you need to level up. Learn keys and learn chords in the context of keys. I'll give a very brief, I have, again, whole episodes dedicated to this. I have a free guide I offered, to, and many of you probably have already gotten it, so I don't want to waste too much time on this. Um, but quick version is you understand that in the context of C major, a G major chord is a five chord, and therefore a G major chord in the context of C major really sounds the same in the context of a song in C major as an A major chord would sound in the context of D major, because an A major chord in the context of D major is a five chord. And ultimately, if you have in D major a chord progression that goes from A major to D major, and then you had another song that goes from G major to C major in the context of C major, essentially those two songs have the exact same chord progression, even though both, like all the chords are technically different, but it really has the exact same chord progression. The only difference is it's transposed into different keys. That's the high level version. Again, if you're not there, best way to learn this, just grab the free guide. So the next level, the next level is what I would call novice songwriter. And you may notice, Joseph, you didn't even call the first one some version of songwriter. And I had a, a little bit of existential dread over this. Not, not really, but <laughs> I had a little bit of back and forth about this. But I ultimately landed on, it's really hard to call somebody a songwriter if they don't even understand things like one, one of the last things I talked about, like that really A major to D major in the context of D major is the exact same as G major to C major in the context of C major. It's just in a different key. I feel like if you don't understand that and just basic like, oh, this is a five chord and, you know, this is a, a minor six chord and in the context of a of each key, you know, it's more important what the minor six chord is than the fact that it's A minor in one key and B minor in another key. It's really hard to call a person who doesn't understand that level a, a tr true songwriter. Um, not always the case, but it, it is what it is. I, I, I think as somebody who's been through all these stages that we're talking about, the biggest leap, I think, is probably from one to two. Because one, you're just living in chaos and usually the you just recycle the same old, super tired, super boring chord progressions that everybody's used a billion times. And that can be fine, right? Chord progressions usually don't dictate whether a song is good or interesting or not. Uh, but it is limiting. It, it's, 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 it's just very limiting. 
especially when you don't even really understand chord progressions. All you understand is like, oh, these three chords sound good together. So the good news is <laughs> that just by leveling up to this level, a whole new world of songwriting will open up to you. Um, so it's not it's not meant to diss anybody who <laughs> might be on level one. Uh, just really level one is 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 mostly to me where people are at if they're more a beginner musician and not not really started to evolve into a true songwriter yet. But that doesn't mean you can't be a songwriter in level one. Anyway, so now so the second level, novice songwriter. This is understanding common chord progressions, but key agnostic, right? So how to know if this is you. If you do understand what chords are in the context of their keys, and you understand that that's the important part of how a chord progression sounds, and you understand the basics of like five chords tend to want to resolve to one chords, and one chord sound resolved, that probably means that you're at this level. You understand that, like, okay, my five chord in, in the key that I'm writing in really wants to pull to a one. So I can utilize that to either make a really powerful cadence to one, or I can use that to not give the listener what they want intentionally. Example of this is very often in pre-choruses. In pre-choruses, you usually want to like give this feeling of, oh, this is going somewhere, and then finally resolve it and make it feel big and epic in the chorus. So oftentimes, pre-choruses, will use things like just four chords, five chords, and six chords, and intentionally not use the one chord. And they will often, very often, end on a five chord because the first chord of the chorus is a one chord. And the best way to make that beginning of the chorus absolutely explode and sound just really like, boom, here's the chorus, ladies and gentlemen, is to have that 5-1 transition. So if you understand what I just said, or 90% of what I just said, then you are the, this level, which is a great level to be because you are released from so many of the shackles that, 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 that we all start with, right? We all start with sort of just music being this, even if we've played many songs, even if we kind of learned like, oh, key signature of D major has two sharps and all that, even if we, we haven't really put it together to really understand how to write music because you can play music incredibly proficiently and be a really great classical musician without really understanding even the basics of music theory and music composition, which is interesting to me, but um, it, that is very possible. So how to level up if you're at this level. This is where you need to Learn to spice up your chords beyond just basic major and minor. So it's great that you understand that in the context of major keys, your one chord, your four chord, and your five chord are all going to be major, and your two, three, and six are going to be minor. And the seven chord is the chord we don't talk about because it's diminished and is usually fairly worthless. Um, so that's great. But now we're adding in a little bit more flair. We're, we're learning to utilize add chords and sus chords and seventh chords. And you're also really learning to add things such as um, inversions intentionally. 
So I've talked about this, I believe, in a video recently, or several videos recently. I don't think I've talked about it on the podcast, but an example of this would be if you have a one chord, which I just mentioned, right, that a one chord is the most resolved sounding chord. That's your main tonic chord. That's, that's, that's home. That's true. But if you want to leverage the harmony that you get from a one chord, so let's say C major. In C major, our one chord is a C major chord. It has C, E, and G. So maybe you want, you because of the melody, maybe the melody is mostly using, it goes like G, F, E, and then down to C, right? Like that, that, that melody clearly is outlining a C major chord, and that probably should be the underlying chord for that melody. So let's say that's the case. But you don't want to make it sound super resolved. Using an inversion can be a great way to make it not sound resolved, even though you are getting the harmony and the notes that you want to have from that chord. So let's stick with C major. If you have a C major and first inversion, which would also be a C major chord slash E, right? So especially if you're a guitarist, you're probably used to seeing it like this. You see like C slash E. Right, and you think, oh, I play a C major chord, and the bass guitarist plays an E. That's the same as an inversion. Not always. Not all slash chords are inversions. But if if the note that is, if the note that's the to the right of the slash, so C slash E, if that second note is also a note that is in the chord, then it is an inversion. Otherwise, it's just it's just a separate bass note. So, for example, if you have C slash F. F is not in a C major chord, therefore it's not an inversion. Anyway, so for that type of chord, you can get the harmony from C major that you may need for your melody line, but not have it sound super resolved. And actually, I forgot that I actually do have a very small cheesy synth at my disposal here for this episode. So... I'll give you a little bit of an idea of what I'm talking about. So we'll just do the most typical boring chord progression ever, one, five, six, four. So C major, G major, A minor, F major in the context of C major. So if you go back to C major, it sounds super resolved. I'll go through it again without talking so you can hear it. Right, that last chord sounds resolved. But what if I just change that last chord to be first inversion, where I have an E in the bass instead of a C? So that sounds way less resolved than when I went. That does not sound nearly as resolved, right? This part here. In fact, this sounds like it wants to go. So. That is how to sort of level up to the third level that we'll talk about. Really understanding things like sus chords and seventh chords, add chords, inversions, which we just talked about a little more in depth. Obviously, we don't have time to dive into each of those things. If you're curious about all those things, I'm fairly certain I have podcasts that are dedicated to each of those as an individual basis. I think I have a whole episode just on sus chords, things like that. And I also have YouTube videos if you want a shorter form visual content. So overall, what's the difference between this second level and this next level that we want to level up to? Well, one of the differences is you don't just write chord progressions 
in the one five six four cents, where it's just C G A minor F. But intentionally write in things like sus chords, add chords, and make use of inversions. So if you're being intentional about like, oh, you know, I, I want to leverage again a one chord, but I don't want to make a sound resolve. So let me figure out what inversion works. Or if you're thinking more in terms of of like chord plus bass part, anytime that you're going next level beyond just the one, five, six, four, three, two, seven, all those things, but you're really thinking about like, oh, you know, what would what would what would be more interesting is if I went from C major and then I actually did a a G sus to then resolve to a G major. Thinking through things like that to, to create a certain effect, that's how you know that you would be at this next level, which is where I'm just calling somebody straight up a songwriter. Now, also just to be clear, the, because I, I've sort of connected songwriter with this, I'm not saying that people aren't really songwriters or what level of songwriter somebody really is based on this. This is more just like, the level of music writer I associate with the typical blank, right? So level one is the level of music understanding I expect from somebody who is a beginner musician. You can be a songwriter and be at that level. And then the second one is what I associate with a novice songwriter. Probably the reason I consider it novice songwriter is anybody who has has listened to a podcast or two of mine and has decided to get the the free guide on the four pillars of music theory, if they read it and they sort of put it into practice so they actually learned it because just reading it's not going to be good enough. It, that never is, right? We have to put into practice what we learn to really learn it. Um, if they did that, then even though they might be, you know, on week four of songwriting, they're already there, right? So I associate that with novice songwriter. And this is really like, if you've been a songwriter for a while, this probably is the level that I would I would, I would expect you to be at. If you're not, Great news. You you can le- you can level up to it based on the things I'm talking about in this episode. So it's nothing to feel bad about, but on average I expect this to be generally the level of somebody that would consider themselves a songwriter. So how to know if this level 3 songwriter where we're doing what I would call deep chord writing, how to know if this is you. If you're still writing chord progressions, but you do have a deeper understanding of why things work the way they do. You understand things like how changing the inversion can change the feel of your progression significantly, and that dyads can make your chords more vague, and and add and sus chords can spice up your progression or or contribute to harmonic voice leading, which is sort of what I touched on a, a little bit ago with the whole, I could think, oh, let's do C major, G sus, down into G major. That way I sort of get this descending part. Right, where just one note is moving at a time. That's thinking more levels deeply than just like, oh, one, five, six, four, right? Because now we're thinking about the individual notes and how to sort of have nice voice leading within uh, or between our chords, really. So, that, if that sounds like you, probably means that you are at this songwriter deep chord writing level. And then the question is, okay, how do we level up from there? 
if this is the level that we're at. The next level to me is when you understand how to leverage borrowed chords or other altered chords and usually involves a deeper understanding of harmony and use of things like chromaticism. So if you know how to intentionally break outside of the key that you're in, such as to, let's say in, in C major, you want to sort of have a, a surprising chord that that sort of has a sense of lift. So you want to borrow from, say, Lydian mode, and therefore you have a major two chord, which normally throughout the song is going to be a minor two chord because in the context of major keys, by default, our two chords are minor. Um, so in C major, you decide to go to D major instead of D minor, which would be naturally occurring. So C major, D major. But then you also understand, okay, I added an F sharp, which is not naturally occurring in this key, right? So how do I reset people so that they know, okay, it's, I haven't changed keys here. We're still in C major where there's an F natural. So how do I sort of make that point more quickly? So, so you're intentionally going to that D major to give a sense of rise that you that you don't get out of normal major, but you do get from Lydian and having a major two chord. So I guess understanding of modes sort of connects into this. I think you probably need borderline need to understand modes uh, to get to this final level that we're talking about, this fourth level. So you're understanding, all right, I'm switching really to C Lydian. But then I want to clarify, hey, hey guys, calm down. Uh, this song's not just changing into C Lydian. It's not changing into G major. I didn't have a key change. I want to re-clarify, hey, I'm actually in C major. So I then want to have a chord after that that does use, utilize an F natural. That way I, I clarify like, hey, C major, don't get too excited about that F sharp because that was only for a moment. So then you'd go C major, D major, and then F major, which has an F natural, because F major, and then maybe G major, and now back to C. And it's, 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 it was just a drop in the bucket, right? Like, oh, here's a little exciting. Let's say, let's give a little context. So there's our, oh, oh, some, some, something changed. Something's different. Something's a little interesting. There's a major two chord, but don't get too excited because now we're back to just, you know, C major. And it didn't, you know, fall off the rails. And but we were intentional about like, hey, we're going to give this lift from Lydian, but then we're going to, we're going to bring it back down to earth and be like, okay, we're still in C major. So. And then also understanding that that specifically something that I got from that progression from C major, D major, and then F major is I got chromaticism. So just listen to the top part again, because that's what we're getting. You hear it? So learning to utilize borrowed chords in order to get things like chromaticism. And it doesn't even really need to be a borrowed chord. It could be any altered chord. But this next level also is where you really start to learn to write music without thinking predominantly in terms of chords. 
but more as a sort of halfway between chords and just harmony. And sort of what I mean by that is, is, the, is the last thing we just went over, where I talked about like, hey, did you notice in this chord progression that we have, there's chromaticism. And then connecting it with something earlier, I said with the sus chords, with the C major, and then G sus, resolving down to a G. With those, I was really thinking about the individual voicings, all the individual pitches and notes. I wasn't just thinking in terms of one, five, you know, chords as blocks. So I wasn't thinking, oh, C major to G major, so much as I was thinking a hybrid of, yeah, C major to G major, but specifically the note C going down to a B, and then the note E going down to a D, and then the note G staying the same, right? So that's C, B, and E, D, and then G, G. For C major, right? Because that this is the same chord change as, but doesn't sound the same. I'm thinking about individual voicings. I'm thinking about voice leading. I'm really thinking in terms of harmony. Uh, another another example would be you might be you might be making say a piano riff or a guitar riff and you're sort of thinking in terms of something like oh I I want to leverage the leading tone in order to sort of give a certain dissonance and drive so my riff might involve something like So I'm using that leading tone, which is the seventh tone in a major key, which is just a half step below our one, our tonic. So it really wants to lead to it. So thinking in terms of C major, you hear how it like really wants to resolve. Really, really wants to resolve. That's that's leading tone. It's a seventh scale degree. So. Leveraging things like that and really thinking in terms of individual notes as well as the chords is, is, is sort of how, how you level up, how you get to the next level. So overall, what's the difference? Instead of sitting down and writing an interesting chord progression, you're essentially writing music while utilizing your knowledge of chords as a supplement rather than strictly writing a chord progression. So you're really learning to think at a deeper level where like, yes, you are thinking in terms of, oh, a one chord and a five chord, and also like what, what a sus chord is going to get us. But you're also thinking in terms of individual voicings, and you're able to sort of create your own chords in a natural way because you're more thinking about where you want each individual voice from a chord to go rather than simply thinking of like, oh, the block of C major to the block of G major. You're thinking way more deeply than that. So you might write a bass line that's agnostic of a chord progression and a piano riff in a way that harmonically works without actually thinking about the underlying implied chord progression because you're thinking more in terms of the harmony that's happening within that piano riff. 
and you could effortlessly add an intentional altered chord or many altered chords in a row to accomplish something harmonically. Uh, often you're looking more at the interplay of all the different harmony lines as a progression of single notes rather than just as blocks of chords, which sort of goes back to the whole, you know, thinking in terms of, oh, I want to add some chromaticism. I can only get that via an altered chord or borrowed chord. Um, and, and then I also want to give a sense of lift. So that's where that D major comes in to that to that F major. That is really to me, what more or less the, the last level is. That's, that's the difference. What is this last level? Does it really matter? All these names really don't matter at all, <laughs> for the record. I just made them up because they felt, they felt like a good identifier of, of, of what, what these levels are. But this last one is where I consider somebody a true music composer. You're thinking in terms of harmony and altered chords you are a true music composer. And I think this is important. Of any label that I think kind of matters, I think is this one. And it's because you could see a songwriter. It's a little overly simplistic, but you could see a songwriter basically as a combination of certainly a music composer and a poet. Because a music composer, like a, you know, John Williams, Hans Zimmer, Howard Shore, they're not usually writing lyrics, right? They're not writing words. They're purely music writers, but they write music and understand music at a much deeper level than most songwriters and certainly much deeper level than the people that are, you know, still just recycling common chord progressions, right? They're using altered chords, borrowed chords and all that all the time. Intentionally, they use modal mixture. They're, they're using modes just as often as they're using keys, maybe even more often. They're, they're next level. Right. In the same way that like I think a lot of songwriters would shy away from calling themselves poets because they understand that like a poet is, is, is somebody who just does words and the words themselves are great. Oftentimes, I think this is a temptation as songwriters to be a OK poet. So not really a, a worthy of the term poet and an OK music composer. But if we are a legit music composer or like music composer level of understanding of music plus we are a true poet and really take pride in 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 crafting great lyrics which then is essentially just poetry um with really the distinction to me is if if your lyrics are poetry then they pass what i call the frame test which is if you could print out your lyrics or, or, or and put them in a frame and put them on a the wall, they're actually worthy of being framed on a wall. They don't need a melody. They don't need a great recording to stand out and be remarkable. They're, the, the words themselves are powerful and meaningful in the way that a poem is, right? A poem doesn't need a performance to be great. You can read it in a book and you're like, wow, you know, that, that was a great poem. It really moved me. So your lyrics should be able to do the same thing. So that's really what the frame test is aiming at. Is, is aiming a bit higher and, and saying, hey, I want to be a true poet of a songwriter. And to me, the music side of this is thinking, I want to be a true music composer because that's when you're super dangerous in a good way, right? <laughs> like if you can music compose and or understand music, at least at the level of somebody like a Hans Zimmer, and you're also a poet to the level of I don't know, insert famous poet here because they're all their names are are 
<laughs> are leaving my brain at the moment. Um, Edgar Allan Poe. There we go. If you can be like, now obviously I'm not like those are two like goats in their field. So I'm not I'm not saying like you actually are the le- level, but something to aspire to, right? Don't be lazy about lyrics and lazy about learning music and just be okay with being eh, okay at both. Try to be great at both. Back to the talent stack thing that I mentioned at the beginning that Scott Adams came up with, which I think is brilliant. Um, you know, two of the most obvious parts of your talent stack as a songwriter is your m- music composition and poetry. Those are the two most obvious because you're writing lyrics. So whether you take it seriously or not, you're writing lyrics. <laughs> so like you are a poet. You might be a really bad poet, but you, you are. Uh, same with music composer, right? Because you are literally composing music. Um, now you can add other things like performer, especially if you're performing your songs or you could get more nitty gritty, right? Like guitarist or that sort of thing. You could even talk about like the business side of music. There's a whole bunch of things that can go into the talent stack, but what we're concerned about here primarily are, are the big two music composer, poet, uh, arranger and some other things. I think some, certainly sometimes we talk about as well, but those are the big two that none of us can avoid just by nature being a songwriter. You might never be a performer. You might never really arrange your own songs, but by, by being a songwriter, you are by default a composer to some level and a poet. So something to shoot for. I don't know what level you are at. Um, but hopefully, no matter what level you are at, you have an understanding now of sort of the roadmap of what it is you kind of need to learn and understand and get good at to level up. I really don't think it's it's that difficult or overwhelming. I, I know that, it, for, for example, if you were at level one listening to this podcast, probably half the words I said halfway through and on started to make no sense to you. But the beauty of learning over time is that something that seems overwhelming once you understand some of it, almost everything I said today really is not something too difficult. You can easily get to all the way from level one to level four, probably in three months if you really put effort into it, but certainly over the next year. And and probably any one level you're at, you can you can get to the next level within a couple of weeks. Now, when I say that, I don't mean like, Again, we're not talking about your level of ability to compose so much as your the level of understanding of music you have, which then does relate to your ability to compose, but they're not completely tethered together. Of course, it's going to take time and effort to get better and better at music composition, just as it's going to get take a lot of time to get better and better at poetry, lyric writing. But I promise you it's not as overwhelming as it may have sounded. Just concentrate on, all right, what level am I at? And what do we talk about to get to the next level? Just worry about the next level. You may find that you're happy being at the next level for like a year because you have so many more writing opportunities at each one of these levels that you could stay there for years and really not even be missing out because all of a sudden a whole new, it's, it's, it's like if you lived your whole life in a house, right? And you didn't know there's anything outside of the house. Once you discovered, oh, there's a whole town outside of my house, you probably wouldn't feel the need to explore or care if there was anything beyond that one town because compared to the standard you had before, 
it's a whole wide world out there, even though it's a small town of 15,000 people. But then after a while, now you're like, okay, I know all these people really well. And this town's starting to get boring. And I heard there's this thing called laser tag or something. And now you discover, oh, there's actually a whole state around this city. Right. And, you know, so on and so forth. And then you're like, oh, you mean there's more than just cornfields in Ohio? There's like the Grand Canyon and there's there's other things within the country that I'm in. And then there's the worlds, right? The, the, you know, there's actually places where lions live, not in cages, where they actually naturally occur. Uh, you know, not not they're not in zoos. They're not just zoo animals. They are, in fact, real animals that that live in certain continents, uh, really just Africa with a little bit of Asia. But that's not what the podcast is about, although I do love animals, so I could talk about animals, but I won't do that to you. I appreciate you listening. Hopefully this was helpful to you. Hopefully you didn't find it too overwhelming. And hopefully you just took away the main takeaway that there that there is to have, which is what level am I? How do I get to the next level? And then maybe revisit this episode to get to the next level after that. Thank you for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. If you haven't already, and this podcast has been helpful to you, great way to you great way you can help me out is by leaving a kind review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To those of you who have already done that, I appreciate you. I appreciate all of you just for listening, just for giving this podcast a chance. Uh, But certainly those of you that take the extra time to leave a kind review, that means a lot to me. I know you don't have to do that. And I know that, uh, you know, everybody's busy, right? And you already spent 40 minutes talking with me. Uh, So to spend the extra several minutes to help me out via review is something that I know, I know it's easy not to do. I know it's very easy not to do. I certainly have listened to podcasts and forgotten to leave reviews for way too long. Uh, So I understand. Uh, So those of you who have, I I know it means a lot, Uh, or I guess you should know that it means a lot. I appreciate you. Again, be sure to pick up the free guide songwritetheory.com slash music theory guide, especially if you are stuck at level one, even if you think you're level two, but you probably still get it. If you're level three or beyond, then it really, it's not for you. You already understand the four pillars of music theory. Uh, but if you're at level one or two, uh, especially level one, go grab that guide. Thanks for listening. Have a great week and I'll talk to you in the next one.